it's really an honor and a blessing to be here. And as, as Howard said, I'm also here uh, leading a men's retreat. And so let's, uh, let's hear about another retreat. It's in Luke chapter 10. And uh, Yeshua is off with his followers. Uh, he sent out the 72 disciples. And they've come back to Yeshua. They've reported all this great, great stuff that's happened. Great results of their ministry. And uh, then they're heading back into town. And I'm going to read this uh, account of this event that's from the book, Besora, that we'll be talking about tomorrow. Uh, don't worry, I'm not reading my whole message here, but this this first uh, excerpt. Um, as, as the disciples were walking over, and if you're following in your, in your Bibles, they're going to be in Luke 10, 25, through the rest of the, the chapter. So as they walked over the, the last rise on the way back, Shimon, or Peter, could see a, ahead a big crowd of people, doubtless waiting for a chance to see the Torah teacher and miracle worker, their teacher whom everyone was talking about in those days. I'm not, I'm not reading from the Bible. I can see a couple of you trying to find, where are we? I'm paraphrasing. I'm telling the story. Um, and it's amazing, you know, the, the, the Bible is primarily narrative. It's primarily story. And it conveys the truths, uh, the deep truths of God, of theology to us in the form of narrative. So uh, part of what I did in the uh, Besora book is, is take, is really tie the Jerusalem Crucified book into the, into the narrative mode in which God conveys truth to us. So we're telling a story. So... Um, Let's see, Shimon sees, sees a crowd waiting for a chance to see the Torah teacher and miracle worker, their teacher, whom everyone was talking about in those days. Then Shimon saw one man wearing a fancy robe and a dignified air step out from the crowd as if he'd been waiting for just this moment. As Yeshua approached, the man spoke loudly enough for all to hear, Rabbi, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It was a good enough question, but Shimon found himself wondering whether it was some kind of trap. He wasn't surprised when Yeshua, always the wise teacher, answered the question with another question. What is written in the Torah? What do you read there? The question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeshua says, what is written in the Torah? What do you read? By the way, this is the moment when the Great Jewish uh, custom of answering a question with another question was born. And if you're a, a teacher, it's the, it's the most valuable tool in your toolkit. You know, somebody asks a question, it's like, whoa, that, that, I don't know where that came from or how to answer that one. So you respond with another question. Uh, Yeshua, of course, knows the answer, but he, you know, as a great teacher, he turns it around and says, what is written in the Torah? What do you read there? Of course, life is to be found in the words of Torah, Shimon thought. That's what he heard every day at Yeshua's feet. He also noticed that Yeshua considered his questioner to be an expert in Torah because he'd noted that the man could read its words for himself, which was a rare skill in those days. Accordingly, the man answered Yeshua with words quoted from the Torah. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Yeshua replied, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. Shimon thought that should settle the question. 
So there's a lot we can uh, learn from this story, and I'm, I want to extract and share some very practical lessons for you today. Uh, the title of my message is The Takeaway Torah. The Takeaway Torah. So uh, the first thing we notice is that um, when, when the man asks the question, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Yeshua says, what is written in the Torah? What do you already know? Remember what you've already been taught. And uh, before I, I develop that a little bit on why that is so important for us, this is a really positive portrayal of Torah, isn't it? It's really consistent uh, throughout Luke and Acts where the, the practical demands of living the Torah are considered the foundation of Jewish life. And the reason I'm saying that is sometimes uh, we read the New Testament you know, through the lens of some of Paul's more radical statements and uh, see the Torah as a negative factor. The scriptures, the word of God up to that point, in Luke and Acts, it's always positive. It's the, it's the foundation for, uh, for Israel's way of life, and it's foundational for life in general. But what I want to emphasize this morning is the imperative to be faithful to what we already know. The imperative to remember, to reenact, to keep alive what we already know as followers of Yeshua, as those who know the God of Israel. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeshua says, what, what is written? And uh, I think this applies to us in uh, the age of information overload that we live in, that there's so much coming at us that when we're faced with a problem or a difficulty, um, we start grabbing information, collecting ideas, collecting opinions, and we get lost. And we need to remember and to recall the foundational truths that have changed our lives. Now, it's a little different if someone who uh, someone doesn't yet know the God of Israel has not had an encounter with Yeshua and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You don't want to, in that case, say, you know, what, what, if, what do you already know? But even there, we turn to the simple truth that is written. So in our day of in information overload, we're tempted to look for the latest info, um, you know, the inside info that will, will create spiritual breakthrough or will give us uh, insight and knowledge that other people don't have. And often the correct step is to remember to start with what we already know. I think we, we've experienced that in the last couple of years. There's been such so much chaos and, and division, even with the body of believers, and I think part of that is because we're looking all over the place for information, for answers, for what do we do now, and we're forgetting what we already know. So Yeshua says to, uh, <clears throat> to this expert in Torah, um, good question. You know, he honors, well, he didn't say good question. He honors the question. He gives it a good answer. What, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeshua says, well, what is, what is written? In Torah, and the expert has what I call a takeaway Torah. You know, in Hebrew, the word Torah means instruction, right? Teaching. So he has a takeaway instruction. He has a, a, a an essence of Torah that's that he has on his heart and his memory that he can simply repeat. So Yeshua says, "What is written?" He says, "Well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your um, 
mind. It's a little different in his reading in Luke. With all your strength and with all your mind. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. This is his takeaway Torah. The, uh, it's, it's like a distillation of Torah. And apparently, this was already a, a custom in the Jewish world. It's, it struck me in reading this that this Torah expert who may be you know, just there to, to test Yeshua, or it may be that he's testing Yeshua because he really wants to know. We don't know whether he's sincere or not, but he comes up with the same takeaway Torah that later on, uh, when somebody comes to Yeshua and says, what's the greatest commandment in the Torah? Yeshua gives the same answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and, and your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the Torah and the prophets. So apparently there's already a, like a custom of uh, creating a takeaway Torah, uh, an essence of Torah that you can carry with you wherever you go. A few centuries later, in uh, the Talmud, and uh, I'm looking for Henry to tell him it's, it's Makot 23 and 24. In the Talmud, the rabbis are discussing the 613 precepts of the Torah. You familiar with that concept that, that if we count all of the laws of the Torah, there's 613 in number, which is a bit overwhelming, right? How am I going to do all these things? So they're, they're saying, well, the prophets sought to distill them into just a few principles. David in Psalm 15 lists 11 essential principles of Torah. <clears throat> Isaiah reduces them to six. Isaiah 33. Micah refines them even further to three. It has been told you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, only to do justice to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Gee, that would make a great theme for a men's retreat, right? But it's really striking, isn't it? Here we are in you know, this Talmudic uh, discussion that was recorded about 1,500 years ago, and uh, they're talking about having a takeaway Torah, you know, an essence of Torah that is um, simple enough and concise enough that I can carry it with me. I can't carry 613 commandments in a way that is meaningful, that I can engage with them wherever I go, but I can carry with me, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And then the discussion goes on, and the Talmud uh, continues with Isaiah, reducing it even further, Amos reducing it further, and then finally they, the conclusion is, but it is Habakkuk, Habakkuk, who came up, and base them all on one principle. As it is said, but the righteous shall live by his faith. They're not copying Paul when they say that. They're getting the same reality, the same truth out of, out of Scripture, out of the prophets that uh, Paul developed centuries before. So what's the point of this rabbinic discussion? I think it, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons why they're talking about uh, reducing the commandments, but I think that they're wanting to discern uh, a takeaway Torah that we can keep with us, as it says in the Shema, as we walk along the way, as we lie down and as we rise up. Keep these words. These words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. So they're to be takeaway. They're to be portable, part of, of our lives. And as we're walking, we have the Word of God with us. Um, so this is a, 
This is a second application point. First application point, when in doubt, remember what you've already been told, right? Second application point is to uh, develop your takeaway Torah, to discover with the Spirit's help core biblical texts that you can absorb, memorize, uh, record somewhere. I don't know if you, any of you have one of these devices. They come in really handy. Um, and you can write notes on them. So that if you have a verse that's really been uh, your takeaway Torah that that's captures what you believe is the essence of God's message to you and for you that you need to have with you in these difficult times in which we're living, it's really good to memorize it. But if that's not your thing, you can write it down on... You can actually do this thing with, with paper, this white stuff. I'm talking to some of our younger set here. You can actually like write stuff on this stuff and put it in your, your pocket. So um, when, I'm, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, uh, anxious, concerned, downcast, I remember I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell secure. And just speaking that forth, that's my portable Torah, just speaking that forth reorients me, recalibrates me. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I did, and if I said, how many of you suffer from uh, nagging anxiety, from finding yourself worrying and uh, ruminating more than you would like to do? If I, if I asked you, you know, for a show of hands, it would be about half the room. I know this because I'm a certified clinical mental health counselor. <laughs> and one of the responses to that affliction, part of it is a product of the age we live in, you know, with the information overload, the bombardment of all kinds of crazy news and crazy opinions. And for some reason, this handy device is addictive. And we keep going back to it and we get bombarded and we, when we worry, but the, but the answer is remember what we know from on high, from God, from his word, and have your takeaway Torah, your takeaway instruction that you can speak and guide yourself. Which leads to a, a third point, um, going back to the story of the expert. The expert cites his, his takeaway Torah, and Yeshua says, okay, good answer, you've got it. Now just do what it says. Act upon what you already know which is uh, a third point. Remember what you've been told. Have it in a, a takeaway Torah so it's with you, so you can carry it with you as you walk along the way. And finally, do what it says. Act upon it. Act it out. So what it said was, love your neighbor as yourself. It actually said, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as, as yourself. Yeshua says, okay, go do it, and you're, and you're good to go, right? And the expert, being an expert, says, well, uh, who is my neighbor? It says, love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? And uh, a lot of times when we interpret this story, we, we buy into the idea that all of the, the Jews of Yeshua's time, except for Yeshua and his followers, are benighted souls who are bound up in uh, legalisms. And so when we see the Torah expert, we think he's a bad guy. I don't know if he is or not. I think actually he's, uh, Luke leaves it open-ended. So I don't know, when he says, who is my neighbor, is he trying to get out of obedience? The commandment is, love your neighbor as yourself. And he's saying, well, who's my neighbor? Let me keep this as narrow as possible. 
Or is he trying to get the how-to? You know, you, you tell me to love my neighbor, who's my neighbor? How am I going to do that? So Yeshua tells the story, uh, which most of you know, the Good Samaritan. You know, it's the guy uh, who is a Jewish guy who's on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem, and he's, he's set by robbers, he's beat up, robbed, and they leave him lying on the side of the road, and uh, a priest walks by, <coughs> doesn't help. A Levite walks by, doesn't help. And you would expect priest, Levite, Israelite would walk by next, but actually it's a Samaritan who comes by next. And the Samaritan, who's the outsider, who's like the non-neighbor in that context, is the one who actually helps the guy, right? Uh, Very generously. So Yeshua tells the story and he says, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, and again, in uh, in Jewish custom, you know, there's priests, Levites, and then just Israelite, all of the, all the rest. So it was the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, the unexpectedly other guy. Which one of these three proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the expert in the law said, well, I guess the one who showed him mercy. And Yeshua says, you go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So we have um, step one is returning, remembering, rekindling what we've already been told. Have it, step two, in a takeaway Torah that we can carry with us. And step three is do it. And it's fair to ask how to do it. I think that, you know, again, I think the expert's question, who's my neighbor, might have been a really good question. You know, tell me more about what a neighbor is so I can actually do this. I was uh, leading a, a, ret- uh, yeah, a retreat for young adults, and uh, the theme was commitment. And I was talking about fear of commitment. Uh, we old adults sometimes stereotype our young adult colleagues as being afraid to make commitments. I think it's fearful for anybody to make a commitment. And I said in, in the retreat, I was saying, you know, if, if we realize the commitment God made to us, which is far greater than any commitment he's calling us to do to him, uh, we can trust him and we can overcome our fear of commitment by trusting God and moving forward. And, and somebody raised his hand and said, well, how do you trust God? And I thought that is a really great question that we come up with, you know, simple, pious religious formulas, but we don't tell people how to do it. And so here, it could be that this expert is saying, tell me more about this uh, neighbor thing so I can do it. And Yeshua paints the picture. We need to do that as we're encouraging and uh, trying to help people. We need to give the how-tos as well. And I like to think that the, the expert story is unresolved and we don't know how he responded. But the point of the story, and this is another brief quote from the book Besora, which we'll talk about more tomorrow. In other words, the real question, you know, who is my neighbor? The real question is who you are, not who they are. Concentrate first on living as a neighbor, as a true Israelite, toward those around you, rather than on analyzing their status to decide whether they qualify as neighbors. Then you will fulfill the commandment and attain eternal life. So our assignment is to be alert to opportunities to act upon what we already have, the takeaway Torah that we're holding on to close to our heart, and to do it. Be on the lookout. Watch for opportunities to do that. 
So I've got a, an epilogue, which is the next story in Luke chapter 10, before we wrap up. Uh, Yeshua says to, to, the, to the expert, go and do likewise. And uh, as, as a great narrative, a great storyteller, uh, Luke here is letting it, leaving it open-ended. We don't know if he goes and does likewise, but we know what we're supposed to do. And then they go on their way, Luke 10, 38. And Yeshua entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet. She was actually called Miriam, uh, Martha and Miriam. Um, I'm not a stickler for, you know, using the Hebrew names instead of the English names, but, I, but Mary versus Miriam doesn't, doesn't work for me. So uh, Martha and, and Miriam... Miriam is sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Miriam has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So the expert asked about, or when, when the expert uh, quoted his takeaway Torah, it was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeshua said, go and do it, and you'll be in good shape. And the, uh, the expert focused on love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? But now the focus is on the first commandment, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And Miriam exemplifies that wholehearted love of God through her love for Yeshua. So Yeshua directs us to have, our, uh, have the Torah upon our hearts, to walk in obedience, to find life, renewal, reality through obeying the Word of God. And this ultimate obedience to the Word of God is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. How do I do that? Well, we have a story. Miriam sitting at Yeshua's feet, soaking it all in, being devoted to him, focused on him. It's not denigrating Martha, Martha's service. She's doing love your neighbor as yourself. You know, she's serving, she's helping people, that's all good. But the pro her problem is that she's getting uptight about it in plain English. I don't know why they didn't translate it that way in my Bible. <laughs> Anxious and troubled about any things. And she's also, um, you know, kind of comparing herself she, she's lost the love your neighbor part in this whole uh, sibling rivalry thing that's going on with her sister and her anxiety. Loving your neighbor is noble and lofty. When Yeshua says there's one thing necessary, he's not denigrating loving your neighbor, but he's saying the first commandment and the greatest is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And we, as followers of Yeshua, living in a very skeptical, anti-God culture, we can cultivate our love for God through our love for Yeshua and following Yeshua and looking to Him. So Lord, help us. Lord, we just pray that uh, we would be faithful, that we would, we would keep Your Torah upon our hearts, we would carry it with us. Pray for, for those uh, here in the congregation who haven't done this before, to learn how to memorize, to hang on to, to write down, have a verse 
that's really a core verse for them. Carry it with us and act upon it. And beyond all, help us to do the one thing that's needful, to be following Yeshua, sitting at his feet, learning from him, absorbing his goodness, his message, and loving him back. Pray for the love of God to be spread, abo- spread abroad in our hearts through your spirit. Hashem Yeshua. Amen. Thank you.